10 minutes before the meeting was going to begin, I actually had a nosebleed. So I was in the (laughs) women's bathroom trying to stop my nosebleed thinking, wow, I'm going to be late to my first exec level presentation because I ate chocolate last night. Hello, welcome to Statement Mondays, where we explore how different women harness their identities at work. I'm your host, Natalie Munster, and if you need a reason to be bold today, here it is. Today is Statement Monday. I have a very special guest today. We'll be speaking with one of my closest friends, Kate Park. Kate first interned at Tesla on the autopilot AI team. AI stands for artificial intelligence. And then she became their first ever product manager. In this interview, we discuss how Kate has earned her immense respect in the office and how various parts of her personality translate very well to her role, like her ability to convey ideas and her readiness to be a team player. Contrary to previous Statement Monday interviews, she brings the essence of herself to work, not necessarily the details, in Tesla's notoriously intense workplace. And of course, I'll have a short debrief of my own after the interview. This one will be particularly fun because Kate and I are total opposites in many ways and how we approach our identities at work. Hope you enjoy. Thank you, Kate, for joining me today. I'm so excited to be interviewing you. My pleasure. This is so exciting. Well, I'd love it if you could please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Kate, and I am so supportive of this podcast. I think it's an incredible idea. Um, And I'm currently the senior product manager of Tesla Autopilot, where I work on the AI team. I graduated from Stanford, where I went to school with Natalie, and I'm incredibly excited to be here today. Well, Kate, who are you? What is your public identity? Let's see. I think for the question of who am I, I really grew up uh, kind of loving two things. One was math and doing math contests in school, but the other was actually theater and public speaking. So I was a drama kid growing up, going to Shakespeare camp. And I think those experiences really helped round out my character and have also carried throughout kind of school and career because I think now part of my public identity is somebody that is somewhat poised and I hope eloquent. Um, I Mm. really, really do love storytelling and the ability to communicate effectively to others. So one thing that I strive for is when I do explain something, not to use really fancy words, but really just to be able to get my message through. Yeah. I've had a lot of experiences where you have to think on your feet and be able to explain your points clearly. So I hope that has carried through even to today in my current role as a PM. And yes, so therefore I think I can concisely or eloquently explain my message. Yeah. And how does it carry through in your current job? So in my current role, I work with a lot of different people. I work with researchers who have PhDs in computer science and they train deep neural networks to obviously our leadership team, um, which is more strategic thinking, and then our whole data annotation team, which is in-house. And all these different people have very different levels of understanding and context of our technical stack. But I think it's really important to be able to explain the motivation of every project so that people are on board and excited to work on whatever we're working on. Mm, Got it. And so what is 
people's first impression of you? People always say I'm very prepared or put together. And if you meet me in person, which is a little tougher in these COVID times, I think it comes across everything from the way I dress. I kind of dress like a middle-aged person or uh, (laughs) the way I talk. And when people first meet me, they will see a very small Korean woman. And so I think with that physical being, I am definitely not super intimidating or maybe particularly powerful due to stereotypes. But I hope that through getting to know me, people understand more. I actually have a lot of ambitions, you know, like many people, I want to impact the world and go beyond just my five foot four frame. So that is one. (laughs) Outside the box. (laughs) Yes, going outside Outside the box. Outside the frame. But that has been what I've gotten. I do keep my age secret. So there's actually very few people who know how old I am. And the reason why I keep it secret is I don't necessarily think it benefits me to be young in my position Mm -hmm. or yeah, in this industry. And so I do try to keep that on the down low and just let people form opinions of me uh, for what I do at work rather than a number, which is my age. Yeah, that's a really fascinating point. I think people approach that differently. Yeah. And then a second point on first impressions actually is my previous roommate told me there are two factors of making good impressions. One is being warm and the other is coming off as competent. So being able to do both is non-trivial, right? You can meet lots of really happy and excited people, but maybe they don't come off as super competent and vice versa. Maybe a competent person is too cold. But I think I do have elements of both. And so I really hope that my first impressions are good ones. And I'd love to explore a little bit more about how this eloquence started to play such a big role in who you are. Um, I did Shakespeare camp because my mom loved English literature. She studied English in South Korea as her major, actually. And so she Mm. uh, read so many different Shakespeare plays. And when she came to the U.S. and decided she would raise her only daughter here, she (laughs) must have thought, I need to make my daughter uh, know how to speak Shakespearean. A learned woman. Exactly. (laughs) A Renaissance woman, maybe. Mm. So I I did Shakespeare camp. And one of my most vivid memories was my first year, I lucked out and got the main role of a play. But the second year, I didn't show my full potential in the audition And so I got a part with one line. And so what that taught me was, yeah, definitely being humble and also always putting yourselves out there. Um, Since the people around you change, you can't always bank on them knowing your previous experience. Mm. And not expect people to make the assumptions about you that you want right away. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's been repeated again as I started working at Tesla Because Mm. before Tesla, you know, I'd gone to Stanford, which is an amazing school, studied computer science, but that resume is totally not enough. And I've really found that working hard and giving it your all within the job is just as, if not more important. Yeah. And what is that environment like at Tesla? Tesla's notorious (laughs) um, for being really hardworking. And I'd love to hear about 
how you can bring yourself to that environment and how much of yourself you can you can be there. So Tesla is definitely notorious. It is uh, quite intense and we really work hard, but it's also a super mission-driven place. And so mm-hmm. the people with who I work with, I think this is a team that is more motivated than any other I've been on. Um, mm. And because of that, maybe in the shared pain, I've really grown close to my teammates and would call them my friends. I would say that the culture on autopilot is quite blind to gender, race, or really any other aspect of your demographics. And really what just matters is the work and skills you can do. And so when I first joined, I definitely was quite conscious of the fact, hey, I'm the only woman in the room right now, or there's a group of men standing talking about work, not sure if I should join. But Mm. now I really don't feel any of that because I feel super comfortable with my teammates. I know I'm respected. I respect them. And it just doesn't even register now. And I think mm. that's just because we're we're all in this together. We're going to sink or float on this boat. <laughs> so a mix of camaraderie as well as knowing that everyone is there because of their technical abilities. And therefore, you must have also outstanding technical abilities. So you shouldn't sell yourself short. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. One interesting thing is... The people involved in the hiring process have a lot of say into the makeup of their teams. So Mm. in the past year, one of the things I'm really proud of is helping hire our data PM team. And right now we have six people and it naturally became three women and three men. I hadn't actually thought of making it 50%, but it happened as I wanted to make sure every candidate was good and potentially was able to motivate other really strong performing women to apply for the role. So Mm. I hope that being in these positions helps the overall uh, women in tech effort. Women are more inclined to join teams where they see other women. That's just the reality of what it is. And that goes for any demographic as well. You feel more comfortable around people who look like you and who feel like you. Totally. Even for mentors or mentees, you, you're looking up to people who you think that you could be similar to and you mm-hmm. want to grow people that you see yourself in. Yeah. So Kate, how do you think that you've grown at work? Like how have you evolved your identity as you've been at Tesla for a little bit over two years, right? Yes. I have been so hardened, but in a good way. So <laughs> I... <laughs> didn't play sports growing up. And so I never had this experience of having kind of that coach, you know, giving you lots of criticism or feedback and being able to have that just roll off of you. And so when I joined full-time at Tesla, it was my first job. I was really somebody who would take any comment or feedback super seriously and personally, Mm. even if it wasn't directed that way. And after working in a pretty intense environment on lots of different projects where Many people are also, you know, spread thin or uh, quite overloaded. I realized that you can't take things personally when it's not meant to be, mm-hmm. and you have to be very strong. So I think now I can say I have a much tougher skin than I did when I first joined. 
you just know that there's places in your work that you need to improve. Right. And being able to control emotions, I think, is also important. So even if I am upset or angry, being able to internalize it well and then make that energy in a productive way is much Mm -hmm. better than just stewing in that anger or sadness. And do you think that the environment at Tesla contributes to that in any way? I think Tesla is a place where it's much more of a roller coaster. So our timelines are quite, um, what do you call it? Like they're very quick. We do releases almost every year. For example, when I started off, we were working on highway features. How do you make lane changes, Mm -hmm. take exits? Fast forward nine months, I'm leading the Smart Summon project where you can Mm -hmm. unpark a car with anybody in it. And now we're working on how do you make turns through intersections? So it's very fast paced. And I think naturally then there can be like, you know, more tension or stress, but it's also so rewarding. So I may have highlighted some of the harder parts of working on autopilot, but there's also so many redeeming qualities. Yeah. So do you think that you bring your full self to work? I would say that I bring a professional version of myself to work because obviously there are certain things that I don't talk or show as much at at work. For example, I do silversmithing and crafting in my free time. And if I have certain conversations, I won't bring it up at work. But in terms of who I am, such as my outlook on life or the way I approach forming relationships and maintaining them, I think that definitely carries through in the work setting. So it's not your f- your full personality that I know per se. Um, your coworkers probably have a different perception of you in their mind, although it's still to the core the same, Kate, based on you know what you find important and what your priorities are. But it's different in the day-to-day. Right. They don't know the specific ways I apply my energy. For example, watching certain Netflix shows and (laughs) eating fried chicken, but they would get that personality since I I want to be um, motivating to the teams I work with. Got it. So you use who you are to motivate the people around you as well. Right. And that's a big application of, or a big a big part of your job too, right? Right. It's such a cross-functional role and I have to get people on board and influence them without direct authority since I'm not Mm -hmm. their manager, but I'm trying to get the product I'm working on to fruition or to some success. And that requires so much buy-in and a lot of really hard work from amazing teammates. That's what I've heard is the biggest challenge when you're starting out as a product manager is learning how to be influential, but without any power, any real power, right? Exactly. I think that's why having interned first with the team as an engineer also helped me because mm-hmm. then I could uh, I formed relationships with engineers. They were mentoring me, reviewing my code and knowing that I had technical abilities And then when I came back as a PM, I could really help them out by organizing and specking good requirements to make their life easier. Mm. And you actually approached them offering to be a PM, right? 
Oh yeah, that is a good story. So at the conclusion of my engineering internship, I was really figuring out what do I want to do full time? And I did think that for my personality, where I do enjoy that global view a little bit more than all the details, PM was a wonderful role. The question mm-hmm. was, could I do that role on this team? And so I went to my manager, who's the head of AI, and I said, hey, can I be your first PM? And he was so shocked. He was like, why would you <laughs> want to be a PM instead of an engineer? <laughs> Engineering is the best thing. And I was laughing because, of course, he would think that. But, you know, I think one of the points of this podcast is everybody has a different identity and different interests. And for me, Mm -hmm. I thought being a PM was the best thing. So he said, (laughs) let me think about it. And then it was so soon, maybe 24 hours later, he was like, yes, let's make this happen. So I came on as the first PM for the AI org. Time for a break. Kate's description of her workplace, as well as how she holds herself, is very merit-based. She doesn't tell people her age, and she's confident in her role because she knows she deserves to be there. She, she may have had to toughen up a little bit and no longer takes things personally, but she deserves it. Shakespeare Camp, unfortunately, didn't help her on that front, but what it did do is give her the tool set to be eloquent, which is a big part of who Kate is now. Coming up, you'll hear about just a perfect moment at work in which all these things come together. That moment actually starts with her eating chocolate when she shouldn't have. And I want to define a term for you really quickly, too. So towards the end of the interview, Kate continues the story of how she got to Tesla, and she talks about being an APM. That stands for Associate Product Manager, and is usually an intern or a new grad role that a handful of bigger companies have to, you know, get people into product management. All right, let's get back to it. Can you tell me about a moment that you just felt invincible at work? Yes. So I have two moments. The first one is when I was starting a project, and the second was when I really closed a project. So Mm. I was tasked with leading a feature called Smart Summon. This is where the Tesla is supposed to unpark itself and come to your phone location without anybody inside the Tesla. So it's almost a remote (laughs) control feature, which would have been the (laughs) first of its kind. Exactly. (laughs) And I had the opportunity to present this to the leader of Tesla. And how long were you preparing for a meeting like this? Oh, I think I only had two hours notice, actually. So (laughs) it was super (laughs) impromptu. And 10 minutes before the meeting was going to begin, I actually had a nosebleed. So I was in the women's bathroom trying to stop my nosebleed thinking, wow, I'm going to be late to my first exec level presentation because I ate chocolate last night. And uh, (laughs) that is what caused my nosebleed. And so I roll into the meeting, a minute to spare, and everybody else is already seated at the table. There's only two chairs left. So side by side, I take one and then the other person who shall not be named, but you can probably guess he leads Tesla, sat in the other. And in that meeting, one of the add-on features I proposed was if you keep pressing the come to me button and then move yourself, the Tesla would follow you like a pet. And when (laughs) I said that, I remember that 
the leader, his eyes sparkled and it really resonated with him. And then after the meeting, just 20 minutes later, that statement, the Tesla will follow you like a pet was on Twitter. So (laughs) I felt super proud of myself. I thought, okay, yes, feature was approved and we're going to build this. Wow. So what was it that made you feel invincible? I was definitely validated by our exec team, but I also felt that I had effectively been the representative of the whole smart summon team. And so Mm. given the opportunity to do that presentation, I wanted to make sure I did it well, since it's not just me working on this feature, it's a total team effort, but I was Mm -hmm. the one in that moment presenting the ideas and information. Got it. A second moment uh, wasn't even particularly a moment, but I've been working for over a year to graduate our autopilot stack, specifically our vision stack, from a lot of 2D image space signals. Uh, this is going to be a little bit technical, but you know, you can <laughs> imagine we detect traffic lights and lane markings in an image, and that just tells you what pixels of the image are that traffic light but it doesn't tell you where it is in the world. And so what we, we've been trying to do is predict things directly in 3D. And we've achieved that. And now this is in the hands of a few beta customers. So seeing the evolution and advancement of our stack kind of feels like seeing a child grow. And so <laughs> that has also been very rewarding. Yeah. And I want to come back to a point that you said, which I think tells a lot about you, is that you really wanted to represent your team well in your exec meeting. Is that something that drives you day to day, being able to represent your team and being more of a team player rather than an an individual? My team totally motivates me. It's one of the reasons why I enjoy working at Tesla so much. I think You know, I get to wake up and work on really cool things, but it's with people that I admire a lot. So yeah, the friendship and camaraderie aspect, yeah, rears its head again. (laughs) Okay, Kate. So here's my favorite question. What is your life motto? I have two life mottos. One. Let's hear them. (laughs) It is nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Wow. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I really second, like that. How did that come about? That one was in some book full of inspirational quotes uh, when I was quite young. And so I mm. opened to some random page and saw this and wrote it down in my journal. And it stuck with me ever since. I think mm. it's also so important in the Silicon Valley where we're surrounded by really incredible, you know, important success stories. And yeah, there's a lot of respect for important people, but Mm -hmm. it's, we, we want to make sure that important people are not only creating good value for the world, but that they're also good people themselves. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's important to be nice, a good person. So I would say that the people that I really look up to who have been mentors in my life are people that I think are both important and nice. So you see that they go hand in hand. Yes. Yeah. 
So what's your second one? My second motto is everyone is self-centered. It's the radius that differs. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. (laughs) And I have some thoughts on this. So when I first heard it, I was mind blown because, right, everybody is self-centered or in some ways selfish, but some people are much more altruistic than others and their radius Mm. is huge. And that's why they want to help many, many people. But now that I think about it more, I think this motto doesn't quite capture everything. Radius is important, but also how much you care for the people in your radius matters. So Mm. some people have a small radius, maybe like a homemaker. They're not necessarily impacting millions of lives, but their impact on the people they do um, have, you know, close interactions with is huge. Mm -hmm. So both aspects I think are really important. Wow. And so this being your life motto, does that mean that you really aspire to have a certain radius or impact? I think it applies more to what I work on. So I want to make sure that if I'm working on things that touch a lot of people, it's that's also great. But I also would find value in working on projects or products that touch fewer people, but in even more impactful ways. Mm, yeah, that's a good distinction. So what is the biggest risk that you've taken? I know you've said before you're incredibly ambitious, which I have seen. Practically, my biggest risk is deciding on my first job since that has affected a lot of who I am, like my mm-hmm. growth of my early 20s. And, you know, it's, yeah, first job I think really shapes you. But I think this is also a boring answer. <laughs> Um, Well, because you, I mean, you had a fairly circuitous path to your first, even your first internship at Tesla that led to your first full-time job. It wasn't straightforward. You had some hard decisions to make, right? That's true. It is funny because I really had wanted to work on self-driving cars for quite a bit ever Mm -hmm. since middle school. Um, And the reason why I got into this Uh, you know, this interest was my dad had said that self-driving cars were so cool. And if it actually came out, he would ride in one. And so Mm. that made me think, oh, it must be a really useful product. Uh, (laughs) But I couldn't find a lot of opportunities to be in that space because it generally skewed to more advanced degrees and Mm -hmm. definitely more technical people rather than PMs. So I really had to try hard and apply to many different companies, first intern and then work full time. Yeah, because you interned during your last year of college, right? That's right. I'd actually already finished my undergrad degree and I had started my master's classes. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, I'm probably not going to um, finish this master's anyway. I might as well take a quarter off to explore potentially mm-hmm. something I'm really, really interested in. So you understood that the like a foot in the door was pretty important for this industry. You really needed to intern somewhere. Like that was that was more attainable right off the bat than going full-time right away. Yeah. And it was also a good testing ground to see if I liked uh, the strategy since mm-hmm. Autopilot is a bit different from other companies in the space. Mm-hmm. It's pursuing a more generalized approach, which now I'm convinced is the right way to go. I would love to hear about how you turned down a job that everyone wants. 
uh, to work at something that you weren't totally sure about, but that you were passionate about? So I was, for my first full-time job, I was debating between two opportunities. One was joining a big tech company in their APM program, which is known to be extremely prestigious and is also yeah, a really yeah, renowned program that would train me to be an awesome product manager. And mm-hmm. then the opportunity that I ended up taking was being the first PM on autopilot AI. And in retrospect, it was the right decision, but in the moment it was very difficult because the first one was so famous and attractive and in a way a lot less risky. Yeah. But the reason why I decided to work at Tesla was because I cared a I cared more. I really wanted to prioritize what I worked on rather than anything else. I am a product manager at the end of the day, so I really want to believe in my product. Well put. And Kate, to wrap it up, I ask this question to all of my guests. As you know, it's called Statement Mondays, interviews with women who wear heels to work and heels being something that you bring that gives you strength, some part of you, physical, non-physical, really anything. And so, Kate, in one word or phrase, what are your heels? My heels are my voice. That is both physically and figuratively. Physically, I've been told I have a very soothing tone. And <laughs> and figuratively, it is my perspectives and opinions. Because as that you know, young PM woman persona we've discussed, I think others might try to be more aggressive or intense to make up for it in order to create urgency. But I think I can create that excitement and passion uh, in what we're working on without getting too flustered or raising my literal mm-hmm. voice. So my heels are my voice. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Kate. Thanks, Natalie. This was so much fun. That was Kate Park. I was originally so excited about this interview because I know Kate extremely well, and it's thrilling to be surprised by some of her responses at different points in the interview. For example, I didn't know that her fascination with self-driving cars started with her dad, but I did know that she holds herself in a very different way than I do at work. And I want to talk about both of those things now. So first, Kate is a prime example of someone who has known for a while what she wanted to work on, and she really fixated on that goal until she reached it. So I'm not like that. I do not have a super clear goal in mind. But if you do, it's up to you to work backwards and figure out what you have to do to get there, to reach that goal. So for a profession as specialized as hers, she needed a certain level of technical understanding, which she got in her classes at school. And two, she had to get her foot in the door. The key decisions Kate made that allowed her to reach this goal was to do an internship with an autonomous car company during her last quarter of college and to turn down a cushy APM offer to pursue this goal. She didn't let that temptation distract her. I respect her focus and honestly wish I had a little more of that. On to point number two. Remember in the very beginning when I teased that Kate and I are opposites? 
The obvious example for me here is that Kate doesn't tell anyone at work her age. She commands respect based on the work that she does, her technical understanding about everything that's going on in her team, and her ability to represent that team well. Kate proves her seniority through actions and not words. In total contrast, I will run around the office saying I'm a junior engineer, like, please, super open to help, like, teach me things, because that openness actually works to my advantage. I see my role as a software engineer as requiring immense learning. My vulnerability invites my coworkers to teach me and actively help me grow. And I think this actually earns me respect in a very different way than Kate, though. So hopefully at this point, you've noticed that in order to reach the same goal of respect at work, Kate and I hold ourselves very differently. And this decision is based on three separate factors, personality, role, and environment. But again, my classic conclusion, there is not just one right answer. And I hope that our two examples paint a clearer picture on the different ways that you can approach earning respect in the workplace. Thank you guys for tuning in to another great episode. If you liked this one, I'd like you all to tell two friends about it. And also remind them to be bold, because today is Statement Monday. I'm Natalie Munster, and my intern is Mallory Pilon. You can learn more about me and Statement Mondays at statementmondays.com or follow us on Instagram at Statement Mondays. Please get in touch. I'll see you next Monday. Bye.